Well, good morning, church family. Glad to be here again with all of you this week. Today we're going to be continuing along in this sermon series, which we started last week, called Unshakable. And so this week will be part two of this series. We'll be wrapping it up next week. And the reason that I wanted to do this series is because trials and storms are a natural part of life in this world. And it's my heart as your pastor to help equip and train you to have a solid foundation that is anchored in the Lord so that no matter what trials or storms or suffering or persecution or sickness or no matter what it is that comes our way, you and I can be anchored in the one true God. And so we're going to be continuing along in this series today. The unfortunate reality is that Many people in life often start really well and end poorly. And that's a sad reality, but, but trials oftentimes reveal who you and I really are. Just to recap a little bit of what we talked about last week, trials are these events which happen on the outside, which reveal who we are on the inside. Trials reveal the real you, because anybody can put on a show, anybody can pretend like everything's fine when all of their circumstances are good. But when all of a sudden things begin to turn, when things begin to shake, that's when the real you comes out. Unfortunately, many Christians in trials turn their back on the Lord. Unfortunately, in trials, many Christians lose their faith. They, they are shaken and they, they don't know how to carry on a relationship with the Lord. Even when you look in the Gospels, we see the, the character of Judas. Now, for most of us, when we think about Judas, we think about this disciple who was probably evil all along, who was probably plotting against Jesus the whole time. But that's not the case. Judas probably would not have decided to follow Jesus if he didn't like him in the first place. And Jesus was traveling with these 12 disciples, and Judas was somebody who was with Jesus as much as anybody else in the world. He was with Jesus as much as anybody. And if we can learn something from Judas, I think it's this. It's that you can be close to Jesus geographically, you can be close to him in proximity, all the while your heart is far from Jesus. That you can be around Jesus, you can be around other Christians, and yet your heart is far from the Lord. The reality is most people, they drift away from God in their hearts and in their minds long before they drift out of a church. They drift in their heart and in their minds long before they drift out of the Christian relationships that they are a part of. But the Bible has called you and me to be those who are so rooted in God that no matter what storms come our way, that no matter what trials come our way, you and I can have a confidence in a God who is not shaken. And so today what I'd like to do is I'd like to share from the story of Joshua, and I want to give you two keys 
for success in the battle. And the two keys are this. The first key is the word of God. And the second key is worship. And so I want you to turn with me, if you have your Bible, to to Joshua chapter 1. Just to set the scene for you a little bit here. God has, through Moses, he's rescued the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt. He's brought them all out of the bondage that they were in. And then he leads them to the promised land. But because the people were afraid and they grumbled and complained, the Bible says, that generation was not qualified to enter into the promised land. And so a new generation has come. Moses has just died. And now God commands Joshua to lead the people of Israel into the promised land. And their first battle is against the city of Jericho. So I want you to turn with me to Joshua chapter 1. Here's what God says to Joshua in chapter 1 verse 5. He says, Joshua, I will not leave you or forsake you. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do all the law of Moses that my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Final verse we're going to read here, verse 9. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you, wherever you go. So here God gives this exhortation to Joshua before he enters into the promised land. And I want to use this first passage here to talk about the importance of the word of God. But before we do, I want you to notice here how three times in those verses, God told Joshua, be strong and I want you to be courageous. He said that in verse 6, 7, and 9, that he is telling Joshua over and over again, I want you to have confidence, I want you to be filled with boldness, that even though this is new territory, I want you to believe that I am going to take care of you. He says in verse 5 and in verse 9, I am with you, Joshua. He says the exact same way that I was with Moses, the same way that I led Moses, the same way that I guided Moses. I will be with you and all of the children of Israel so that you may have success wherever you go. Be strong, Joshua. Joshua, be filled with courage. Be filled with boldness. And I think this is a reminder to us today. Maybe like Joshua, you and I are in new territory that we've never been in before. Maybe like Joshua, you and I are fighting a new battle that we've never fought before. And there's a temptation when we are in a new area 
to wonder, is God going to get me through this? Is God going to get me through this trial, this storm, this battle? And here God is telling Joshua, listen, Joshua, I want you to hear me on this. I am the same God that brought you out of Egypt. And I want to encourage you today, church, the same God that got you out of Egypt will get you to the promised land. That God did not bring you all this way just to leave you stranded now. He did not go through all that he went through in rescuing you from bondage just to leave you shy of the promised land. No, the same God. God who got you out of that will get you into destiny and get you into promise. Philippians 1 says that he who began a good work will bring it to completion. Church, our God is a God who finishes the things that he starts. This is not a God who does things halfway. This is not a God who does things half-heartedly. No, this is a God who only does things well. This is a God who only finishes the tasks that he has started. And so I want you to know, Joshua, that the same way I rescued you out of Egypt, I am going to rescue you out of the hands of the people of Jericho and all the people of the promised land. And I will be with you and bring you into destiny. Church, I'm telling you, this is not a God who's really good at starting things and then forgets to finish the job later on. This is a God who is faithful and a God who is constant. And he says this to Joshua. He says, I want you to take this law, take this word, and I want you to meditate on it night and day. See, the temptation when you're going into new territory and the temptation for the generation before Joshua was to spend all their time focusing on the giants in the promised land, to focus on the enemy, to focus on the battle, to focus on the big cities and the big walls guarding those cities. But our focus is not to be on the enemy. It's to be on the word of God. Meditate on it day and night. Immerse your heart, immerse your mind in the word of God. Church, let me tell you something. I hope that you're listening to the news and the governments and the doctors and different leaders who have advice and wise counsel in situations like this. I hope you're learning from them. I hope you're growing from them. But more than you, lis- more than you listen to a government leader or a politician or even a pastor, as important as that is, listen to the word that comes from God himself. That as much as you listen to anything, listen to the word of God. That you and I can saturate our hearts and our minds in God's word. Church, so many people in a day like this, they're listening to other voices and then they're wondering why they have no faith. They're listening to other voices and they're wondering why they're being shaken with everybody else. No, God's command, church, is that you would not be shaken. And here, God tells us how to do so. He says, let this word go deep down in you. Don't go to the right. Don't go to the left. The Word of God is like this GPS. It's like this roadmap that brings us to success. God tells Joshua, he says, when you obey this, 
then you will be prosperous. Then you will have success. If I told you there was a roadmap to success, wouldn't all of us want to follow that roadmap? And you see here, God is telling us that that roadmap is his word. And you can't stray to the right or to the left because that will lead you down a path that you don't want to go. And as you and I immerse ourselves in God's word, that stability comes. Here's what the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 4.14. He says, So that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves, and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Paul is saying here that, that there is wind that is going to come. There are waves that are going to come. And they will try to knock you over. They will try and blow you about. I don't know if you've ever been to the beach and as you're trying to get out deeper into the ocean, maybe a, a wave has come and it's it completely knocked you over. It completely swept your feet out from under you. The Bible here says that oftentimes there are ideas, there are doctrines, there are human ways of thinking that will try to blow you away like a leaf in the wind, that will try to knock your feet out from under you. And here, the Bible is telling us that the way to have success is when you build your life on the Word of God, then you will no longer be shaken, you'll no longer be tossed to and fro. And so many people in our culture, they're just being tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. They'll run along to this philosophy or to this political idea, or they'll chase this or that religious leader, and they, they have no true grounding in who God is. And I want to tell you this morning, church, that when the storm comes and when the wave comes, it's too late to build a foundation, that when the waves are already knocking you over, when the wind is knocking you over, it's too late to build a foundation on the word. And so it's in all seasons of life as we immerse ourselves in the word of God that we become unshakable. I love in verse 8 that God says to Joshua, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Here's what I think is absolutely fascinating about that. Most of us would probably expect God to say, don't let this word depart from your heart. Don't let this word depart from your mind. But that's not what he says, even though that's true. He says, don't let this word depart from your mouth. That the word of God is constantly on our lips. That we read it out loud. We discuss it with friends and family. That we sing it. We declare it. We say it. We pray it. That the word of God never leaves our mouth. The Bible says that life and death are in the power of the tongue. That life itself, death itself, are found in our tongue. It's interesting, a few chapters later, when Joshua tells the people to march around the city of Jericho, it actually says in Joshua 6, it won't be on the screen, but it actually says in Joshua 6 that Joshua told the people as they were marching around Jericho that they weren't allowed to talk. He says, as you march around the walls, 
I don't want a word to proceed from your mouth at all. And so the people literally marched in silence for six days. And on the seventh day, when they marched around seven times, nobody was allowed to talk until Joshua gave the command for all the people to shout. And I think that's interesting because I think Joshua understands here that sometimes if you're not careful, your mouth can talk you out of what you already believe in your heart and in your mind. That you can actually talk yourself out of faith in God. And so God tells Joshua here, don't let my word depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night. Think about it. Pray about it. Discuss it. Sing it. Declare it over your life. And church, if you and I are going to be unshakable, it's because we are rooted in God's word. Number two is worship. What we see in Joshua 5 and in chapter 6 is that Joshua is preparing the people for this campaign to take Jericho. And God gives Joshua this interesting battle strategy. Some of you may know the story. That God tells Joshua to tell the people to march around Jericho one time a day for six days. And then on the seventh day, he wanted them to march around seven times. And then after that final seventh time, the priests would blow the trumpets, the people would shout, and then the walls would fall down. Now that's not a battle strategy that was common by any means. And yet God has this unique strategy that he wanted them to have. But here's why I think this ties into worship. It's because God didn't just tell them to walk around the wall. He specifically commanded the Israelites to walk around with the Ark of the Covenant. Now, what's the Ark of the Covenant? The Ark of the Covenant was the literal box that housed the presence and the glory of God. That it was in that box that literally that was the place where God's spirit dwelt among the people of God. Thankfully today, you and I have the spirit living on the inside of us. But that's how it was in the old covenant. And so as they marched around the walls without anybody talking, the priests were encircling the city with the very presence and glory of God, and the priests were blowing on the trumpets. That the trumpets was, it was their way of praising God, of giving glory and honor to God. And so God's battle strategy to overtake Jericho was literally the presence of God. The secret weapon that the Israelites had was God's glory encircling the city. Their weapon was their trumpet, not their sword. Their weapon was their praise. Their weapon was their shout on the seventh time on the seventh day. And here's what it says happened in Joshua 6.20. It says, so all the people shouted and the trumpets were blown. As soon as the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted a great shout and the wall fell down flat so that the people went up into the city, 
every man straight before him, and they captured the city. You see, this is the first battle of the promised land. This is the first city that Israel had to capture. And God explicitly told them, I don't want you to build a big battering ram to smash through the gates. I don't want you to build ladders to climb up over the walls. I want your only weapon to be my presence. I want your only weapon to be my glory. I want your only weapon to be your trumpet and your shout. That you are not going to do this battle in human strength. You're not going to do it through human strategy or through human planning. He says, I will show you, Israel, that I will win the battle on your behalf. I will win the battle that you could not fight for yourselves. Church, I want you to hear me this morning. Some battles are better fought with a trumpet than with a sword. Some battles are better fought with a shout than with a sword. Sometimes all you need is the presence of God to win the battle on your behalf. That it was in praise of the one true God that the walls of Jericho fell down. And sometimes when you and I are up against a battle that we cannot win, when we are up against an enemy that is stronger than us, when we are up against a foe that is greater than we are, I want to remind you this morning that your greatest weapon is not your own strength or your own cleverness. It's that you and I have the presence of the one true God in our midst. And it's as the Israelites circled the city with the presence of God, as they circled the city blowing their trumpets, it was then that the walls fell down. I wonder how often you and I are fighting battles and we are losing because we are too busy trying to use swords when God has told us to use a trumpet. I wonder how many battles we are losing, we are defeated, we are broken down. And God is saying, if you would just lay down your sword and take up your trumpet, I will do what you could not do for yourself. Church, God is inviting us this morning to take up the trumpet once again, to take up praise once again. That our battle is fought by the Lord. That praise is our secret weapon. That the glory and the presence of God are all that we need to win the victory. You see, here's why a trumpet is better than a sword. Because when you go into battle with a sword, all you have is your own two hands. But when you go into battle with a trumpet, you invite all of heaven to make war on your behalf. When you go into battle with a trumpet, you invite the Lord of hosts to come with the armies of heaven and to do what you could not do. And too often, you and I like to have it all together. And so we like to go in with our swords and figure it out on our own. And God is asking us today, Maybe to lay down the sword, to put aside the sword for a little while, and to pick up the trumpet once again. Church, I'm telling you, 
that if you and I can pick up the secret weapon of praise, there is no army that you and I cannot defeat. There is no battle that you and I cannot win. Because it's in the trumpet that God himself is fighting. It's through the trumpet that our God makes battle. Psalm 68 verse 1 says this. It says, let God arise and his enemies be scattered. Let God arise and his enemies be scattered. Church, it is when you and I lift his name. It is when you and I exalt the beauty and the majesty and the power of our God that it's as he is lifted up that the enemy is torn down. It's as he has exalted that the enemy is defeated. And God is giving us this weapon. God is giving us this battle strategy in this season. I'm not saying there's no room for human logic or for reason. God gave us those things. But sometimes you and I are in a battle that logic cannot solve. Sometimes you and I are in a battle that you and I cannot fight our way out of. And I want to remind you today to pick up the weapon of praise to lay aside the sword for a little while and to take up the trumpet. God tells Joshua and he tells the people of Israel, these are your two keys for success in the promised land. If you want to succeed, if you want to become the people that I have called you to be, it will be because you do not let the word of God depart from your mouth. It's because you meditate on his word day and night. It's because you keep to the word and you do not go to the right hand or to the left. That we are anchored in the word of God and we have a trumpet and a shout of praise in our mouth. It's through these two weapons that God has given us, word and worship, worship and word. These two go hand in hand. That it's as we, read, as we read the word that we are led into praise. It's as we read the God of the Bible that you and I are led into glorious encounters of worship of the one true God. And it's in praise that the God of our praise, the God of our battles, leads us deeper into his word. And I can tell you, if you commit yourself in this season and every season to being a man of the word, to being a woman of the word, and to being a man or woman of worship, there is no battle that you cannot win. There is no battle that will be too great or too strong for you. That's why Israel won the battle. Their secret was the presence of God. Their secret was to host his glory. And that was the difference between Israel and all the other nations on the earth. That was the difference between the Israelites and all the other nations. It's not that they were stronger or better. In fact, God actually very directly tells them in Deuteronomy. He says, I did not choose you because you were better than any other nations. I didn't choose you because you were more righteous than other nations, 
because you were stronger or greater. No, God simply chose to put his love on them. And what made them different was that out of all the nations in the world, there was one nation that knew how to host the presence of God. There was one nation that built their whole society around housing the very glory of God. And that was the secret weapon that won the battle at Jericho. And I can tell you, they didn't need a million soldiers because they had the God of angel armies. They had the Lord of hosts. They had the God of Jacob. And I can tell you this morning, you don't need to have the best. You don't need to be the brightest or the smartest or the most clever or the most brilliant. What you need, church, is to host his presence. What you need is to host his glory. And you can imagine the people of Jericho standing on the walls. You can imagine them looking down on the Israelites. You can imagine them thinking, what kind of battle strategy is this? They're just wasting their time. Why are they walking around blowing a trumpet? Why are they walking around with this box? And you can imagine them mocking. You can imagine them laughing until the day when the walls came down. Here's what I love about this story. For six days, they marched around the walls of Jericho and absolutely nothing happened. They marched around for six days, nothing happened. They marched around seven times on the seventh day and nothing happened until the final shout and when the priests blew on the trumpets. That's a great encouragement to us. That sometimes, even when you're faithful to the Lord, that you're walking around day one and the wall doesn't crack. You're walking around day two and the wall doesn't crumble. You're walking around day three and the walls aren't even shaking. But a day will come, church, when the faithfulness, when your faithfulness to the Lord will pay off. And at that moment, at the shout, at the blast of the trumpet, the walls will all come crumbling down. Church, maybe you and I are walking around the walls and we're wondering, where is God? Why aren't the walls moving? Why isn't anything happening? Church, I have great news for you this morning. Day seven is coming. Day seven is on its way. And as you and I keep marching, as we keep hosting his presence, as we keep shouting, as we keep giving uh, space for our trumpets, the battle is sure to be won. Some of you right now today, you need to learn not how to figure this thing out. You need to learn how to pick up your trumpet again. You need to learn how to find your shout again. You need to learn how to take up the trumpet and leave the sword behind and to host the presence of God and to not let the word of God depart from your mouth. And if you and I can do that, there's no wall that can stand against us. Church, we need to find our shout again. Church, we need to pick up our trumpets again. Too long we've been echoing what the politicians are saying. We've been echoing what the media is saying. And no, God is saying, if you get into my word and repeat what I am saying, I will give you the victory that you need. Church, don't be an echo of somebody else. Don't be an echo of what everybody else is saying. 
Immerse yourself in the word of God and take up the trumpet and let the God of battles fight on your behalf. I want to close here with a verse from 2 Chronicles 20. Let me set the scene for you here. It says that uh, an army came against the people of Israel, the people of Judah. There were three different nations that came against the people of Judah at one time. It was the people from Moab, the people from Ammon, and the people from Mount Seir. Three nations at one time came against the people of Israel. And here's what the king of Israel said in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 21. It said, when the king had consulted with the people, he appointed those who sang to the Lord and those who praised him in holy attire as they went out before the army and said, give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness is everlasting. Now watch this in verse 22. When they began singing and praising, the Lord set ambushes against the sons of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir who came against Judah. So they were routed. For the sons of Ammon and Moab rose up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, destroying them completely. And when they had finished with the inhabitants of Seir, they helped to destroy one another. In verse 21 here, it says, the king put the worshipers before the army. The king put those who knew how to praise before the army. And he had them tell the whole army, celebrate the Lord for his loving kindness is everlasting. And as the army began to praise that the Lord was good, that his love endured forever, and that his loving kindness was for all eternity, it says the Lord set ambushes against their enemies. Church, if you and I can take up the trumpet again, if we can lay aside our swords, lay aside our intellect, lay aside our battle strategies, and if we can host the presence of God, the Bible tells us that he will set ambushes against our enemies, that he will literally turn them on each other so they are completely routed. Church, I pray that this morning, you and I are gripped with a passion for the Word of God. We are gripped with a passion to worship the Lord. So many of us, we, we go through this, whether it's this coronavirus or another trial, and we, we try our best to get through it. But sometimes you get to a point where you can't do anymore. Sometimes you get to a point where you're out of strength, where you're at your wit's end. And it's my heart as your pastor that you would not be shaken when everything else is shaken. For those of you who are newer in the faith, I want to tell you a secret to how mature Christians get through the storms of life. The secret is not that mature Christians actually have it all together. The secret is not that mature Christians are smarter and more spiritual. The secret is that mature Christians know how to let the Lord fight the battle on their behalf. 
that is what will make you unshakable in the storms of life. That is what will make you victorious as you're entering into new territory. That is what will make you victorious when you're going up against new enemies that you've never fought before. When you're going into new territory, you have to know that it's not about how good you are and how spiritual you are, but our confidence is in a God who fights for us. Our confidence is in a God who is not shaken. If we do one thing well in this season, let it be that we dive into the Word of God, that we meditate on it day and night, that we do not let this book of the law depart from our mouth, and that our greatest weapons are hosting His presence. Our greatest weapon is hosting His glory.